0: Are you ready for me to start?
1: I'm gonna be ready in three, two.
0: We've done this one. countdown thing before, and I don't think it works.
1: I was trying to sound like someone on a set. Oh, okay. You're on in three,
0: two. No, actually, on. I think on movie sets, they count down from something like five.
1: Oh, uh, and they and don't then say the. They
0: don't say the last couple ones, but they still do the massive mm-hmm. arm hand movements. So if you could do that for me,
1: you're on in five, four, three. <laughs> That'd I do?
0: <laughs> hey guys, this is Rob, and welcome to question number 44. How do you write a song? It's my conversation with my good friend Dan Rodriguez, who is a master songwriter in my mind. This is really weird to say out loud. I've never written a full song before on my own. Have you ever written a song before?
1: Uh, I feel like we've talked about this. Possibly. <laughs> this reminds me of the time that I wrote that Savage Garden tune. <laughs> I just remembered that. Really? <laughs> it was the Madly Deeply song. Google it if you can't find it. Mm, this is it. Okay. So, <laughs> that song just came to me. I was at my cousin's house, uh, <laughs> jumping on the trampoline with Jake and Josie, my cousins, and was started singing it. And told them that I had written it, that it came to me in a dream because I really thought it did, even though part of me thought, that's a pretty good song. I don't know if I really did come up with that. But I was like, I'm pretty sure it came to me in a dream. And then unfortunately, years later, I heard it on the radio.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But all right, there's a quote that's been on my mind recently and it has a ton to do with this episode and conversation. The quote comes from Jim Carrey, you don't know what you can do till you do it. Mm. That quote right there sounds really nice, but I also think it's a load of crap because it's one of those things, maybe it's not a load of crap, but it's all it's also, it makes it sound so easy. You don't know what you can do until you do it.
1: And uh, you're guaranteed to do it. Well, it implies guaranteed. that you will succeed. Try it,
0: just do it, try anything. I'm just saying from the conversations I've had with people, Uh, there is this this thing I've been fascinated with lately is this thought of identity and the, the boxes we put ourselves in and specifically in this conversations, uh, relation to that the identity of what i am creatively Well, i'm a bassist i'm not a songwriter and it's the identity of like well i don't i don't write songs i play bass and i help songwriters take their songs in a studio setting or live and i help them make their songs a reality and that's what i do but the thought of
1: it goes back to like labeling that whole article you wrote for the growler on How we have to label everything and it has to be like something. can't just be.
0: And I feel like the more I'm talking with people, the more I'm realizing that I'm not alone in this. Uh, These labels that we put on ourselves, whether I'm doing something creatively, do not define it until I create. Action is key. Movement is key. Do not define before creating.
1: Where do you live? the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living?
2: Lots of things.
1: Where's your office? Don't have one. How come?
2: It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> Why <are> you <laughs> talking to me. Who are you? A quiz, hot shot. expect me to call
0: For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past 10 years, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do, to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, as always, by my wife, my friend, my...
1: Beautiful chandelier. I'm
0: joined, as always, by my beautiful chandelier, Sarah. If you also... Are listening to this podcast for the first time I want you to know that I am so thankful that we do not have to deal with sponsors on this podcast because if we did I would have to tell you that Guinness is the greatest beer known to mankind Sarah can I interest you a Guinness what can I
1: interest you a Guinness (laughs) 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 gotta keep it short I respect that Who?
0: <laughs> you just wanted to get <laughs> in on the weird sound. <laughs> I made that sound like twice.
1: Ooh, that's kind of what I
0: who's Spilling. Uh, and then I did a second time. People called me out on it, and it's.
1: Now it's your thing. Rob will always do that lame thing. And I'll oh. always say, Mmm, tastes like mother's milk.
0: Cheers, Hofie. Slancha. Slancha. Me boy. Oh my gosh.
1: I also, on a personal note, am compelled to always say that. <laughs>
0: This is going. This is going this direction. Just for a quick second, you know, I we joke on the podcast. I'm here. I'm not comfortable with asks. I try not to do. I haven't done a Patreon for this podcast. Uh, the the most uh, the biggest ask I've done for this podcast is asking you uh, to head over to iTunes, rate, comment, and subscribe
1: five stars only. And when
0: you do, ask Sarah a question. Now I'm, we're going to get to this in a second, but ever uh, you know that if you've been following along with this podcast, you know every week we ask Sarah questions. question. Those questions come from you, the listeners. They either come from leaving the question in the comment section of iTunes. That helps us out a ton. Or you can write into the podcast, thecuriouspod.com slash contact. Over there on the website, I'm super pumped about the map we have. It shows where all these locations and interviews have been done. Or you can call the podcast hotline. You can text us at the podcast hotline with a question for Sarah. You can call in, leave a message, uh, leave a message. saying, Do whatever you want with that, really. Sing a song. Sing a song. We know that's been done before.
1: Make creepy moaning sounds. <laughs> that hasn't been
0: done before, but <laughs> that'd be very interesting. Also, side note, we do have color ID on the <laughs> podcast hotline. So take it as weird as you're willing to go, I might text back. The podcast hotline, yes, it is real. It is 612 584 9330. That goes directly to me, actually, and I do respond. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is not to dive into this question time with Sarah yet, but it's this I took a few weeks off to kind of center myself, and now I'm into the second year of doing this podcast. What does this look like for me? Uh, And what are some of my favorite things about me personally doing this podcast? And one of my favorite things is the relationship uh, between me and you, if you're listening, the listening community to this, because if you've been following along with podcasts, you know this isn't really about, yes, I talk with musicians. It's not really about music though. This podcast is actually all about learning how to ask better questions in life. This thought that in a world where typically we think that life is all about having all the answers, maybe maybe the real thing in life is learning to ask the right questions, more interesting questions, more it's just, it's looking for a different way to look at life through conversation mm-hmm. and asking questions. And
1: so especially that, in a world or in, in a world that sounds sort of dramatic. I'm
0: always saying, it. In, in you a know, world, in a world where this is happening.
1: Yeah, but sure. I mean, there's so much research on how mankind in modern societies are losing their ability to hold a conversation. Like actual research. Really? Yes, our attention spans are very small. I think I heard... Oh, I don't remember now. I don't want to be wrong. But anyway, our attention spans are really small and we're losing some of those like basic human interaction skills. Like, How do you carry on a conversation with someone you don't know? We don't do that anymore. We just go stand and look at our phones because it's safe.
0: Here's my ask for you. If you have been listening to this podcast and you have been moved and impacted by one of these conversations, my ask and request of you is to share it with one friend. If you think of one friend in your life that would be impacted directly uh, because of this podcast, share it with them. Maybe you are in a relationship uh, with someone who considers themselves a creative person and you don't consider yourself a creative person. Or maybe it's the opposite way around where you're a musician or someone with this uh, Typical label that we put on ourselves that's a quote creative person and your other uh, partner. Works a day job and they don't consider themselves a creative person. Uh, maybe share question number 36, my interview with Amanda Nephew, talking about what's that dynamic look like. Maybe you know somebody that's asking themselves, is there a difference between a creative or a non-creative job? You can share question number 39. What's the difference between skill and talent? My conversation with Jordan Sirock. The list goes on and on. I can genuinely say that every single one of these conversations I've had on this podcast has really impacted me in a massive way. I've learned so many things from so. Many people. So, if one of these has impacted you or you just find it fun and inspiring, I would just ask that you share it with one friend of yours. The, also, the thing that I love about this thought of sharing it and building this community of people that are wanting to stay curious and hone their sense of asking better questions just like I'm trying to, is the thought of running into maybe some of you. I know we, we've had people write in and then we have listeners in places like the UK, India, Sweden, if you're listening in France, hello to our listeners in France, Japan, Kanichiwa. Also, I know we've got listeners in Scotland. Side note, Sarah and I are gonna be spending some time in Scotland this next month in October. If you are listening and you're in Scotland, Hit us up at the podcast. You can reach out to the podcast hotline or write into us. Who knows? Maybe we'll meet up and share some scotch with you. Yeah. Also, if you're in the US, maybe even in the Midwest, this conversation is with my friend Dan Rodriguez. And I'm actually going to be playing with Dan over the next couple months. This next week, October 4th, uh, we're going to be in Lake Orion, Michigan. And October 5th and 6th, we're going to be playing in Indianapolis. If you're listening anywhere near that and you want to come out, say hi. Uh, let me know. Reach out. Let's make it happen. Uh, okay, let's dive into this conversation with Dan Rodriguez. Uh, here's how it came about. Like I said at the beginning, I have never written a song before, and I want to dive into songwriting. I've been surrounded by so many prolific songwriters in my career that my standards for what makes a great song are so much higher that the second I do something, I shut it down immediately because it's not to my standards.
1: Mm, That makes sense. uh, Your bar is set too high.
0: So I sat down. It's like, you know what? I'm really, I'm nervous about doing this specifically. I want to be doing uh, more co-writing. And it's funny because even in question number 20 with Taylor Johnson, who we talked about, how'd you land that gig? Mm. It's one of the most downloaded episodes so far on the podcast. And at the very end of that, I made a decision of, like, I'm putting it out there. I'm going to be writing. I want to co-write with artists. That said, that was in 2017, and I just didn't reach out to anybody. So I said, enough is enough. I contacted Dan. I said, all right, hold me to it. Let's pick a date where we can get together in your studio in Northeast Minneapolis and just write a song. This morning, he texted me and asked me if I wanted to grab coffee before uh, we went into the studio and so we met up at Annalise Coffee which side note Annalise Coffee was actually the recording location of my conversation with the international lego building champion Mm -hmm. we met up for coffee and we just started talking and catching up and he was started saying some like really profound things about how he believes that there's no such thing as uh writer's block and how Uh, Actually, we had this almost differencing of opinion. I said something, he goes, well, I kind of look at it a different way. And I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, before you respond, would you be open to me setting up a couple microphones and recording our conversation in your studio before we start writing a song? and just have the conversation that we'd naturally have and see what happens, because I feel like other people would be fascinated by Mm -hmm. it. So this is a very music-heavy conversation about what does it look like to write a song? Why does Dan feel like there's no such thing as writer's block? And one of my favorite things Dan said is a quote that he heard, is that as a creative, you're hunting chickens. Okay. Which we're going to talk about in this episode. So anyways, this is my conversation with my buddy, Dan Rodriguez, and we'll pick it up where Dan is playing a song for me in his studio, uh, showing me a new song that he had written with a friend
2: of his. It's no way to live. As the jukebox played, walk the line he was crossing his. Two ounces at a time. I never thought I'd understand how he could take a sip with a 10-year chip just burning in his hand. But here I am holding. Every poor was another war he knew he'd never win Oh the sins of my father Oh right. Stop the flood at twenty-five I swore that I won't let myself become the disappointment daddy was. But when she gave me back her ring, and she took my joy and she took my boys, all that I could think was that it must be in the blood. Every pore is another war I know I'll never win. All oh, the sins of my father are running through my veins. The I be contained and I'll pass it on when I pass on my name and the sins of my father all the sins of my father it's no way to live Ah, dude, that's so good. No, thanks.: Mom.
0: Okay, so all right, so even that, that brings up I wasn't planning on asking you questions about that, but that brings up a ton of questions right off the bat, and that is, what came first in that tune? Because when, well, when did you write that recently? I've never uh, wrote it. I wrote
3: it a few months ago, but I just haven't done anything with it yet.:
0: What came first in that song? Was it the lyric? Did you have a lyric? Was it a melody or the concept concept?: It's almost always the concept. Was it you or was it someone else? It was a conversation we
3: had had, um, I wrote it with a friend, and we were talking about, he's he's a touring musician and he travels around, and we were talking about how he, um, when he's drinking on the bus or on the, you know, in the green room or things, he's found that if he does too much whiskey, whiskey makes him angry. I've heard people say that whiskey makes them angry. For me, I'm angry if I don't have whiskey. But um, so we were talking. He's saying like, yeah, I actually have to be careful like uh, when I'm on the road because I'm on. I've got these relationships with all these other musicians, and I'm on this. We're on a small tour bus. Yeah. We go out for weeks at a time. And if I get angry, I say things I regret. Yeah. And so I I have to really be, not drink a lot of whiskey. And he goes, he's telling me about how he has his father's initials tattooed on his uh, on his ribcage. And he didn't really know his dad uh, when he was young. His dad, mm. his dad, either I don't remember right now. Either either left or he died. I think he died young. And then, uh, really what's d- this guy's full name? Just kidding. <laughs> so so he's. Uh, anyway, he was telling me about how um, he got his initials, his dad's initials, yeah. tattooed on his ch- on his rib cage when he was 18. And his mom, for the first time, she said, "Why would you do that?" And he's like, "Was well, my dad?" And she, she was like, "Why would you?" Want to honor? I want to. I want to honor him. She goes. Why would you want to honor a man like that? And it was the first time that he, she opened up and like, talked about how he was an alcoholic and um, how abusive he was and how all these different things. And so then, um, when he sees patterns in his own life of getting angry when he drinks, he was like, I just don't want to repeat the same sins of my father. And uh, I said, That's it right there. Let's write that song. And
0: oh, that's so, so good. Dude, and it, it, when it, we it wrote the song, people. we were like, "Let yeah. we wanted.
3: We kind of wanted it to be, I I really wanted it to be hopeless. Yeah. Because I, I always write hopeful songs. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I want to write a hopeless song. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm just, you know, it yeah. must be in the blood is what, is what he says. Every poor is another war. I know I'll never win. And I mean, the beginning where he talks about like, my dad was in a bar drinking mm-hmm. while, while holding his 10-year chip. So that's the narrative that we chose and we went with, and mm. it was just super powerful. And I've never heard anybody sing about holding a chip and drinking before, so, or like throwing their chip away or something like that. So I was like, that's intense. And I have alcoholics in my family who quit drinking yeah. and then started up again, and they're alcoholics. You're always an yeah. alcoholic. So um, anyway, that, that concept, that idea of somebody doing the same thing, sitting in a bar the same way his dad did, and then basically saying i'm going to pass this on when I, i'll i'll pass this on when i pass on my name yeah. and, the, and and the sins of my father i'm going to pass that on to my kids and but there is hope at the end of the song where we repeat the first line which is it's no way to live yeah and i was like just enough hope to say like that person whoever they are is realizing that this isn't okay and that's the first step and then and that's kind of where we just we let it just hang on there. Yeah. But and that so that that hope. Oh, that's so good. The hope can be is kind of in your mind, however you choose to interpret where oh. that what, where that story is going to go. But.
0: Oh man, that's so good, dude. This makes me wish I would have been recording. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh man. Well, I'll, yeah. Man, uh, I just I think that's awesome, because it is. Yeah, for a million ways, man. It's okay. See, that's what's confusing to me about um, songwriting, because I'm not. I've been dealing with. So I've been thinking about a lot about identities lately, mm-hmm. and I heard recently that someone says uh, they people often talk about changing your identity and the way we look at ourselves and whatever that is. Of like, oh, well, I'm not a songwriter. I'm just a bassist, or whatever that is. And a lot of people talk about it as if it's as easy as taking off a hello. My name is. Rob, I'm a musician. Like those name tags we always yeah. get on your shirt. And just like taking that off, putting another one on. But it's really the level of difficulty to change your identity within yourself is actually like taking that name tag off uh, a hairy-chested man. Like you picture a super hairy-chested man with that name tag on. Like it's super painful and slow. And you like have to force yourself to change that mindset. Mm. And so that, that's why I'm like fascinated about this conversation about how do you write a song, your identity as a songwriter, and something you are good at. Among a lot of things is the fact of like, I say, well, what do I want people to get from this? I'm always I'm always thinking of like the end goal. And you, from what you just said right there, it seems like painting a picture and then letting other people add their own. Yeah, because I mean, songwriting—all yeah.
3: songs are our stories. Yeah, they're just stories, and songwriters are just storytellers. That, yeah. that usually rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's all about imagery and and, and painting a picture. Actually, um, I've been, I read that whole... Craig Johnson, the Longmire... Um, oh, yeah, the book There's, there's a show on read. Netflix, and there's a whole book series that's based off of it this Longmire. It's like murder mysteries and a yeah, sheriff yeah. in Wyoming. Stereotypical, like,
0: yeah.
3: uh, insecure cowboy dude thing. Yeah, <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to read yeah. The Sheriff. And I loved it. It was fun. But one thing that Craig Johnson does in his books, and he'll he open a chapter or open a book um, in the middle of a situation. He doesn't paint the picture. He's not going, It's. it was a cold, blister, blustery night, and uh, you know the wind was blowing, and the snow was coming down. He's not painting a picture. He starts it off. They told me I didn't need my gun. And here I am, wishing I had it with You me.
0: instantly have like ten questions. Exactly. Where color. is he? Yeah.
3: How many bad guys are there? Yeah. All these different things. And then... It's almost like a panning out, like yeah. a, like a camera, as if a, pan, a camera panning out, yeah. but he does it with his words. And then you find out he's just, I mean, he's a sheriff, so he's an elected official, and he's reading a story at the library to a bunch of kids. And he's so insecure that he feels, he like, he wishes he had the safety yeah. of his gun. Not that he needed to use his gun, in the, yeah. but that he just, like... That's my safety net, and I feel like I need it now more than in any other point. But so then he, he, it's kind of almost comical because it's like, but that's how he opens the thing. So then uh, I was like, I want to write songs like that. I want to start in the middle of it. I don't want to paint a picture. I want to I mm. paint the center of the picture and then start painting around it, and then at the end you have a whole, you have a whole image. And I did that. So I wrote a song. Uh, I'll start it for you. Um,
0: uh, prove it. I'll prove, prove it. 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 I'll prove it. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like a breakup. Dude, this man. is fascinating. Because I think about this with like story writing, but like musically.
2: Oh, uh, Yeah. So, Go on. Um, she was never the kind to leave on the lights when she left home. So she must have been moving fast When she walked right past the living room Well I stared at my clothes As they hung all alone in the closet All that she left behind Was her love And a note that I had lost it You can give me that joy. I can't stand up any longer You can give me that fancy gin And something to pour it in I could drink you out clean But I'm gonna need something stronger (laughs) Uh, That's funny Okay,
0: yeah, so like that. But like you, that was like yeah, yeah.
3: the very uh-huh. beginning of it. Yeah. She was never the kind to leave on the lights when she left home. Yeah. So she must have been moving fast when she walked right past the living room. It's like a dude coming home and yeah. the lights are all on and he goes upstairs and everything's, all her stuff's gone. Yeah. All that she left was, all that she left behind was uh, her love. Yeah. And, and a note that I had lost it. And it's like,
2: oh. that's a oh. So like from a songwriter's yes.
3: perspective, I'm like, that's my zinger. You Yes. Know? That's that moment of people go, ooh, you know. Ooh, but. yeah but it started actually in a library in of the sheriff in Wyoming reading to a bunch of little kids. But the way he kind of set up a scene, is yeah. I, I was like, I'm stealing that idea, that way of setting something up, and I'm going to put it in a song form.
0: Okay, so the process of that, where did, where did you start with that? Did you have the idea of where you're going with that? Did you have the concept in mind? And yeah, then the you concept was kind of, like, different, reverse? actually.
3: The concept of that original song was... Yeah. Um, was I have mixed drinks about feelings yeah. and so the chorus originally was give me that Jack and Coke give me that yeah. ginger and rye give me enough so that or, um, give me enough so that I'm looking up to the ceiling and then give me that fancy gin something to pour it in because the thing about me is that I have mixed drinks about feelings and that's how the song originally yeah. went but Eric Church already wrote a song called mixed drinks about feelings I didn't find that out until afterwards and so I was like well I can't steal that so I went with, I'm going to need something stronger. Plus, yeah. the Mixed Drinks About Feelings song is funny, and it's yeah. kind of kitschy. Yeah. And I feel like the verse was really strong. Yeah. And um, with that zinger yeah. in it. So that I was like, well, it's a weird juxtaposition, because it's like this actually really powerful moment in yeah. the song, followed by something kind of kitschy and yeah. almost cheap. Yeah. Um, but... And so I'm, I, I like that it was changed. I actually brought that song, the finished version of "Mixed Drinks About Feelings," to Jennifer Hanson down in Nashville. Yeah. She wrote um, Kelly Clarkson's "Stronger" song. Yeah. And I brought it to her, and I said, "Can you help me rewrite this? Because I can't use this Mixed Drinks About Feelings'." Because I started playing it out. I was playing it at yes. shows. Yeah. I, I finished writing it on the rock boat, and then uh, I played it on the rock boat. I was like, "I just wrote the back. I wrote the back. I wrote the second verse backstage. I'm gonna yeah, play yeah. the song for you." And I've been I've been playing it for a couple months, yeah, yeah. and then somebody was like, sent me the link on, on Facebook. Facebook. Was like, hey, uh, just so you know, yeah. Eric Church wrote this song, and I went and listened to it. Completely different song. It's yeah. not even similar, but it's this the hook is the same. I have mixed drinks about feelings, and then somebody sent me a picture of that on like a towel from like some mom you know like 60 year old mom shop you know where they like go and get like live laugh love stuff you know like (laughs) like
0: for your cabin walls
3: yeah but not even your cabin walls stuff for like your Eden prairie home you know and (laughs) and so uh it's like you know you walk in and it's like a family is like a tree and all the branches go different places, but all the roots are the same. And they are all
0: at the dinner table.
3: You know, it's like that stuff. And there's a towel yeah. that's for sale, and those play like a hand towel. It says, yeah. I have mixed drinks about feelings. And so I'm like, oh, I thought I was the first one to write that. I thought I was being original. I wrote a country song a while back that yeah. I, I wrote it, and then I went and looked it up, and nobody else had written it. Um, I quit drinking for good. Now I'm drinking for bad. Yeah. And... I I love that and now now it's registered and if somebody else writes it I can go I wrote that I need this much I need I need this percentage of that so (laughs) even
0: if like a massive country artist wrote that and there's uh and there's no connection between them and you through friends or them hearing it even though because yours is registered yeah you could say that
3: yeah I could I mean it would cost money yeah to fight it how do you how do you register it See this um, is how ignorant. Through a, through a performing rights organization like ASCAP or BMI or CSAC. So or you have to like that. submit it. Yeah. Because
0: back in the day, I just heard of like, wasn't there a poor man's copyright? Poor man's copyright was yeah. like,
3: put all the information in a letter, mail it to yourself, and never open it. Yeah. And you, that way it's postmarked a certain date. Yeah. And then it's sealed. And then you can present that in submit court it. as evidence. But it's easy to register or something on as a PRO, uh, with a PRO. So yeah, oh, man. it's all online.
0: Dude.
3: So songwriting is all about stories. Now, that's if you're writing a certain way. I've been writing yeah. a lot of songs for peer music yeah. and down in Nashville and for sync stuff, like shooting for um, like movies, television, commercials, that yep. kind of specifically, mo- mostly ads. Um, but when you're writing for that stuff, you almost have to switch your mentality, and you're listening as if I, I'm writing it as if I'm the music director for coca-cola or target or gap or kit kat or whatever it might be and i'm listening to the song from that perspective and i'm writing it as if i'm writing it like i'm writing this for the music director to choose my song over somebody else's yeah what would make them want to choose my song it needs to have this and this and this and when you're writing for sync that's Mm -hmm. what it's called S Y N C. when you're writing for sync stuff there were um there were never any cloudy days there were never any... Yes. Like, like everything was super it wasn't, upbeat it's not and positive. Like, it's not like we're on top Yeah, and because we overcame the hardship. There was never hardship. Yeah. And so... Are you saying uh, it's still
0: that way when you're writing for Sync? It's oh just... Oh,
3: yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's... I mean, there's the yeah. songs I'm writing now. And that's not every... That's not uh, the rule for everything, but it's the majority of stuff. Yeah. There were... You don't... If you're talking about Sunshine and Rainbows... It's not you're celebrating the sunshine yeah. and rainbows because the rain is over. There was never rain. It's always been sunshine and rainbows, and that's what sells a, a can of coke.
0: It just makes me want to put my finger down my throat. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah, and that some people do that, and some, you know. and there's a lot of there's a lot of songwriters that scoff at it. Yeah. They say that's not really art. You've sold out. You're doing this. You're doing that. But the truth is, it's work. Yeah. And so, uh, if I only ch- wrote those songs in... I only did that and I said this is this is art, my art. I could I could do that.
0: Yeah. But for oh, me I go so good, yeah. I go
3: no, I'm I'm writing these heartfelt songs yeah. for my artist stuff. I'm writing these like artist songs for me. Yeah. And then I'm writing these sync songs for my mortgage. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> like I'm it's work. Yeah. And so um just like we talked about, like oh, if yeah. you're if you're shitting on somebody else's what somebody else is doing—it yeah. just—it it doesn't make you better. It's just—I don't know. For me, I look at all of that and I go, "It's work." And I honestly, I sit in a boat of like, "It's so good." I've heard so many people say, and I've said it. I'm guilty of saying it. Of saying like, Oh yeah, I just haven't written a song in a while. I just every time I sit down to write, I just have writer's block." Or, yeah. Um, I personally don't think writer's block is a thing. And I, there's a, a hundred people that might argue with me on that, but. At least for myself, I found that the times that I am not writing music is because I'm being lazy. If I want to write a song, I need to write a song. It doesn't need to be the best song in the world. It doesn't need to be a great song. It doesn't need to be a song I ever play again. But if I'm going to write a song, I need to finish it. And it's because songwriting is a muscle. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to go, I don't feel like going to the gym today. And then saying, ah, and then, like, not going to the gym and then complaining that you're getting fat. Yeah. Well... It's, you just ate a whole bag of Doritos and yeah. and you didn't work out.
0: You know, the funny thing about the gym, the comment too, is nobody ever leaves going to the gym and says, oh man, I feel like such a hypocrite. I didn't feel like going today, uh, <laughs> but I went anyways. I'm not, I'm not being authentically true to myself. Yeah, No one's like that. But for some reason, <laughs> if it's like music, I'm thinking yeah. like, oh, well, I, I got to be authentic to myself. And, yeah. uh, I'll wait for the inspiration to write. You know what though? You
3: might go to the gym and work out for 20 minutes and go, you know, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done now. But at least I did that much. That's, for me, like, I can write a dumb song and not and never perform it. I write a song and go, I don't need to do Ugh. But in the end, I'm yeah. still flexing yeah. that muscle, and that's still going to help me write a better song later mm-hmm. because uh, we talked about this earlier, but there are songs out there, and I, you can almost look at it as, like, they're just floating around in the air around us. And if you're not sitting down intentionally to write, uh, you're not reaching out to grab the song. And... So eventually it's going to happen. Chris Galbuda and I had a conversation about this. Chris um, was one of the writers with Caitlin Smith yeah. and Megan Trainer on I'm Gonna Love You
2: mm-hmm. Like I'm Gonna Lose You.
3: And we, we played the same festival in Tampa. And I was asking him, I'm like, because he's, I mean, I thought the number one, that song went to number one of the pop charts. That's crazy. Like, so I'm talking to this dude that I highly respect and he's super talented. And I said, what's like, what's, what's the secret? Like, What's the special sauce that mm-hmm. uh, was required to, to get to that point? And he said the weirdest thing that he's ever said to me in response to a question like that. And he said, you're hunting chickens. And I said, well, I'm sorry. what?" He goes, you're hunting chickens. <laughs> it's Every, a Nashville thing to say. I know, say. it is. He goes, everybody uh, wants to go out there and slay the big bear and feed the whole village. And he goes, but the truth is, you're hunting chickens. Just write a song. Feed yourself for the day. Feed your soul for the day with that song. Oh. And one after another, you're going to get really good at hunting chickens. And when that big bear comes along, you're going to be so dialed in, you're not going to miss it.
0: Dude, that is so good. And so for me, I, <laughs> I'm was writing like, that down.
3: I was like, oh my goodness, he's right. It's a numbers game. It's a muscle that needs to be flexed. It's something you need to do all the time. So if somebody tells me they have writer's block, if they're a close friend, I'll say that's not a real thing. You just need to sit down and work, and yeah. not be lazy. Hmm. And uh, you don't have to write the best song in the world. People will start a song and give up because they go, oh, "It's not, yeah. like, it's not very good." Yeah. Who cares? Finish it, and then never, never touch it again. But you're gonna write something in there that you like. So then take that out and put it in a different song because it's yours. You can do whatever yeah. you want with it. So, uh, um,
0: okay. Well, let me ask you this, dude. That is that's fascinating. That chickens thing is awesome. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally steal that cuz that's so good, but I'm I'm just trying to think of like I'm, I'm visualizing myself in like if I'm in a stint of long period a week of, or just being in a funk Like what do you do to get if you you? You acknowledge that writer's about black is not a thing. Do you what do you do to get out of it? Get out of the funk. That's the best
3: question because the answer is writing so for me music has always been therapy when my little brother passed away, and that's when I first started writing songs, was because I was writing... You didn't wrote,
0: write before that, really?
3: I wrote like a kind of girlfriend song, but really all uh, I did was regurgitate something I heard John Mayer say. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> when, I, But that was the first time that I've learned that music can be healing and that writing can be something that changes the way you feel about yourself or the world around you. And so for me, when I, when I realized that, I saw the power in that. Um, that for me I can go into a write and not feel great but walk out of it feeling awesome because I I did what I'm passionate about I did what I'm good at Mm -hmm. and um and I allowed the music and the creativity I just I tapped into it and that's what made me feel better it put me back in a better place yeah because that's my happy place yeah is creating and oh man and doing those things
0: okay that's fascinating you're saying that because I, now i'm thinking about a uh a disagreement we were going to talk about earlier mm-hmm. that we had that we were both to dive into and my thought for uh, the songwriting thing uh today came from like how i approach it with you and yeah. different uh artists i'd like to do this within the future this uh comes actually from bj novak who uh, did the office oh, yeah. and a bunch of other stuff he's a writer his, he talks about his morning routine as a power up. He says, if you do something creative for a living, if you're creating something, your only job in the morning is to get yourself in a good mood, whatever that means for mm. you. So his, his whole goal in the mornings, uh, is to, he goes for a walk. He drinks like, a, he always gets this massive cup of coffee. He reads a newspaper or something. I don't remember what all rest goes into it, but he's just wanting to get in a good mood before he gets to the office so then he can create and you're saying when I so when we talked about this mm-hmm. I was like let's just get in a great mood do whatever yeah. you need to do with your morning so we'll come in and just feel pumped and you're like you don't think you need that no i let me, oh you were going to say something that. yeah so, yeah let me put some more words in your mouth i think you're going to say <laughs> rob you're an idiot
3: no so what it was for me like that's awesome but uh, that's if you require if you go into a creative setting Feeling like okay, if you go into a creative setting and you go, I have to do X, Y, and Z, and my day has to go this way and feel this way in order for me to be creative or to really tap into that, um, you're gonna have bad days, <laughs> and so because that's not reality. The reality is, my son was up at midnight and then he was up at three o'clock and he was screaming his head off, and I still don't know why. And <laughs> Uh, I went in the room with him, and he. I said, "Do you want? You have to go to the bathroom. What do you need? Do you have to go potty?" And no. And do you want to lay down? No. Do I'm gonna hold you? No. What do you need? No. And and I was up with him for, and he's. I ended up getting him back down. It took a while, but I'm tired today. And um, people are gonna have bad days. And I came in, this is not an ideal day for me. I'm exhausted from last night. I have a hundred things on my mind. I know I have to order. I just did inventory on my t-shirts this morning. I have to do more inventory. I have to put an order in this afternoon. I have five, six emails that came in this morning that need my response today. We're hanging out. We're writing and doing things. And then I have people coming over this evening. I've got somebody that's house-sitting because we're going out of town on Wednesday. And my head's in a thousand other places. And it's nice that I got to go rock climbing and I went to the chiropractor hmm. this morning and that we got some coffee and I'm we're coming into here just kind of relaxed and choosing to leave all that stuff outside the door. But I think the reality is if your creativity can sometimes flow easier when you're feeling really great. But the truth is a lot of times it's just work and you just have to work. You have to put in the effort and then, you eventually reach... So maybe maybe B.J. Novak is on to something with that where he's like, you can tap into it faster if you're in a good place. Mm. But um, the person who wrote um, Writing Better Lyrics, Pat... Oh, it's right here. Um, Pat Pattison. Pattison.
0: Dude, I should check this book out.
3: Um, that's is it a, worth a That's read? a Berkeley standard. Really? And... Uh, are you familiar with stream of consciousness stuff? Mm-hmm. So, Pat, boy or girl, I don't know. Um, they, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Pat <laughs> has really some really... It's an L style. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Pat.
3: Pat, uh, they, uh, I just don't know if it's a man <laughs> or a woman, or if it, and it doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> So, Pat says they wake up in the morning and they leave a journal right by your bed, yeah. and before you do anything else, before you... Check your phone before you look at the clock, before you do anything. The moment you open your eyes, pick up that pen and just start writing. Stream of consciousness. Mm. doesn't matter what you write, Mm -hmm. but put a limit on yourself. Write for two minutes. Yeah. And that's a little exercise. Put it down. Once that two Hmm. minutes is up, stop. And it goes up to like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And uh, you do that every day for so many weeks. By the time you're – because the thought of like waking up and writing for 10 minutes about – nothing like you don't know what you're going to write about just stream of consciousness stuff um you think 10 minutes uh, what am i going to write for for 10 minutes yeah but when you start doing that and you get into a flow of it after just a couple of days your alarm goes off and you've hit 10 minutes and you you want to keep going but part of the exercise is you have to stop Hmm. don't let yourself keep writing don't write for 15 stop it right at 10 and what, what the whole exercise is you're tapping into that stream of consciousness faster, hmm. so that and then it translates into songwriting, where you don't. It doesn't take half an hour, forty-five minutes, um, to get into the flow of writing a song. You could just boom, tap right into it, and that's a. It's about repetition. It's about work.
0: It's about work. Like you're just trained, man. Okay, see uh, this. That's fascinating because I feel like I, I. That's something I know, like you're building muscle memory, right? Uh-huh. Like you can, so you can fall into that faster, but there's something about music for me where I have never really thought of it that way because I'm, I'm so emotional where, especially like bass, I'm like, I, well, I just need to, I want to feel it. Like if, if I'm not, if I'm not feeling it, then it must not just, it just must not be there. Like I almost have, like even we are how we talked about authenticity like i almost Mm -hmm. have this argument of voices in my head saying well i I need to be authentic so if i'm looking at like work like i just need to sit down and do it then i'm not being an authentic musician and artist what setting are you talking about are you talking
3: about you're in the studio working with other people and you feel like your ideas that you're bringing or you're just not feeling it or are you sitting and creating something on your own
2: uh,
3: because i think in you and I have very different roles yeah. as far as when in that situation. Yeah. Because I'm talking about songwriting and the creativity of like putting something that's out there in the atmosphere, grabbing onto it, um, reining it in, putting it through the filter of my own mm-hmm. words in my life, and then putting it down into a song. It's different than you in a studio working with a, a band or an artist, and you want. What you do great is you take what they have and you throw so many ideas out. You and I have worked in the studio together, I don't think anybody throws out as many ideas as you do, and they're great. And you can go all these different directions and you can kind of shift the feel of a song by what you're bringing and what you're doing. Um, And that requires that same type of creativity. But at the same time, you're dependent on somebody else's content versus you're just coming up with a bass solo or you're just coming up with a thing so you not feeling it it might not necessarily be your creativity or your you not feeling it today it could be that the content you're you're given to work with is not that malleable it's not that pliable you know it's like somebody handing you some clay but it's really hard already and it's kind of hard to shift it and move it into what it needs to be in order for you to make something beautiful versus an artist who's kind of got given you a little more rain or they, what they have, the content they've given you is really good and they've given you a great starting point. And Uh all you have to do is kind of shape it a little bit. So it's different. Oh
0: man, that's goosebumps. (laughs) Goose, I've got goosebumps because that you're, it is kind of chilly in here, but uh. Uh, no man, that is, I've never thought of it before like that. Uh, Oh man, and even when you cuz when you first start talking, I what something you said triggered an an explanation of your question for me is that it's the difference between how I feel after going for a run, sure, and playing with people sometimes, yeah. and being an interactive experience because uh no matter how crappy run, I've never ran well, so I've never had a good. <laughs> I've never let, I've never gotten done running and been like think that tall, was great. not tall, lanky
3: guys ever <laughs> but, run well.
0: But like no matter how <laughs> no matter how a run goes, if I just do it, I always get done pumped and feeling amazing yeah. after mm-hmm. I catch my breath and I get up off the floor. Yeah. Uh, but I always feel amazing. And I'm pumped about it. But then I get I get confused because then why why isn't why don't I feel that way in musical scenarios? why don't i feel what coming back from uh, either like a production session or a gig and feel like people like like a steve gould for instance he he said I maybe mean, i'm sure he doesn't feel this way all the time and it's not like he never gets discouraged but he said you know if i'm if i if i have a day behind the drum set it's a good day. Like I'm thankful for that. He yeah. has that mind mentality. Whereas me, I'm like, that's not how it works for me. Like my enjoyment and relationship with my bass, because it's been such an interactive thing. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. and dependent on other people, I have had s- multiple days yeah. where I come, I'm like, I think I'm done doing music. Maybe it's time music's kind of needs to move over in my life. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying makes me think. I don't know. There's so. It's just so inspiring. Maybe it makes me think I need to be more aware that it's maybe not music. Or dependent on, maybe I need to not be dependent on other people. That's part maybe of it. Maybe I need to be writing more. Maybe, maybe this writing need, thing is something I need to be Maybe you need
3: to be writing more. Maybe you need to be writing more. And then working with pulling in other musicians that you want to work with and starting a project, even if it's just to have a creative outlet. Even if it's just to... I'm starting this band that we're just, we just kind of play... We play a handful of shows yeah. in town this year, but it's just something creative that we can do and put yeah. on. And Steve being able to say that is is—it's easier for somebody like, for a drummer to say that than it is for a bass player, because a drummer shifts and changes the whole, the complete vibe of a song. Mm. And a bass player does that too, but not to the same effect that a drummer yeah. does. So Steve being behind the drum kit, and I've worked with Steve where I've sent him tracks, and I said, here's kind of what I'm thinking yeah. what I'm going for. And he interprets it differently. Even there was one situation where he ignored my notes and did his own thing. <laughs> yeah. And I said, that's really cool. It's not the vibe I'm going for, so can you redo it in this way? Yeah. And But that's only happened one time. Every other time he's touched it and taken it, he has changed it, and I've yeah. had to go back and play a different bass line, or I've had to go back yeah. and change something that I'm doing, because he put a kick in a different spot, or he did
0: this, but it made it feel better. And, um, because in, you're saying that, then it's not like a bad thing that he did that, because right. that's, it's more of like coming at it as a writer saying right.
3: But oh, check this out. But he, what he does determines what happens with the rest of the instruments. What yes. the bass does requires needing the information from the drummer to yeah. play your part. Yeah. So uh, it's just different. It's yeah. easier for a drummer to shape a song than it is for a bass player to shape a song. So if you're not with people who have yeah. shaped the song well, you're going to be frustrated.
0: Dude, I've always... Oh, that's... Uh, this is fascinating that you're saying this because you're you're just helping me like finalize beliefs I have. Yeah. And I've always been confused feeling like I'm on the outside when it comes to laying down a bass track mm-hmm. in a session because standard is if you, you everybody plays together and you need to get a good drum track mm-hmm. then the second thing to record and get foundational is the bass track and then guitars then the then it's like the vocals last or whatever sure. however you do it i've always thought man you should get the drums down and get a rough scratch bass or maybe not even do bass but i always want to record bass after the vocals are done because the vo- i however you're singing the vocals mm-hmm. is changing how i change the melody around i well, want to
3: yeah in an ideal world you know exactly what the vocal is going to sound like when you're yeah, playing the play bass. Yeah. That's not going to happen all the time. It depends on yeah. the producer. Somebody like John Fields, first thing he wants is a vocal. If I could go in there and just sing just the vocal to an acoustic guitar, yeah. and it, and get like the final cut of that, he'll build a track around that because that's pop music. Is you're building around everything's everything's around the vocal. It also depends on the genre of music you're in because it's not going to be that way in everything. Rock and roll in like a like real good. The great stuff that's out, even like the pop stuff, the pop rock yeah. that's out, like Imagine Dragons, that kind yeah. of stuff, that's dependent on the groove in the track yeah. and how that feels. And then, um, and so that's just gonna—it's just a different approach. I found I—the more I'm producing, because I'll, I'll build things up with mm-hmm. um, with like a drum track, and then I'll do like a scratch. I'll have like a scratch guitar, and then I'll do a drum track, and I'll play bass on it, and then I'll kind of build it that way and kind of move forward. I don't know how many times I've gone back muted the, the bass track and re-recorded bass because something happened mm. in the process that yeah. changed the way the bass needed to sound. Yeah. And so um, I had the luxury of doing that, of being able to do that. Yeah. You don't have that luxury when you're working with a band mm-hmm. and to, or you're wasting yeah. a lot of time and energy and money but um, to go back and redo a bunch of stuff. But uh, I found so many times the bass is the what, for me, that needs just needs to be yeah. changed. Because it, it's things are different now. Yeah, or, yeah. or you're right. That vocal line, or we came up with a guitar line, and that bass is kind of walking all Stepping over Stepping on. It, so it, I yeah. gotta, I gotta go move things. Or, or I love what oh. the bass did, but I want to move it over to this spot and different things. So it's just yours. That the bass is such an interest, interesting in, instrument because it's the glue, it's mm. the foundation. The drums are the feel, mm-hmm. but the bass is what makes. The guitars and the vocal make sense. Yeah, and it's the it's the it's glue, and that's what's required. But it's also dependent on the other elements to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird. Instrument. Oh, dude,
0: man, this is funny because I did not expect this to happen, but this is giving me mental oxygen when it comes to my identity. I feel like I need to pay you after this. <laughs> it's like a therapy session because everything you said about like, you're talking about songwriting and I'm translating it selfishly in my mind where like, uh, writing stories for different magazines and periodicals I've been doing, I've been doing that. And it makes sense. Every, everything you talk about, just sitting down, do the work. You're, you're right. You're morning writing. Mm-hmm. I do that, but I just don't do it musically. Sure. And so, uh, It's almost as if you're like bridging the gap and helping me change my own, the way I look at music for myself as like, maybe I need to bring these other things and the other disciplines in my life over to music too. It's helping me change the way I identify as a musician. I feel like this is going to help me a ton.
3: If we're going to write some, like a sync song today, which I think we should. Um, Okay, let me the the closest riff thing that I think that will will go with it with like this throwback '60s soul stuff is Hendrix, and I bought two Hendrix records on vinyl just so I can explore it, and I left them at home. Uh, (laughs) So I was gonna throw Uh, on some Hendrix so that we could listen to to it, it. but we can we can pull it up on here. Yeah.
0: right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. (laughs) Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is The Rob Morgan. At the Rob Morgan, whatever. You you you, you know the drill. Alright, enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, <laughs> I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you, podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast, nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal
1: you for a second?
0: Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness?
1: I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more, that's all. All right,
0: that's it, thanks.
1: <laughs> uh, I love that crap Alright, have a great week
0: See you next Tuesday Anything else? Thanks
1: for being here <laughs> I got nothing.
0: Say the most random thing you can think of no. Yell it I got
1: nothing The only word I can think of is formaldehyde <laughs> Perfect